If the Lord's got more to say, then you just make yourself available. Called I Chose You. And what a tremendous, probably, uh, I would say probably one of the most impacting and empowering revelations that God could ever give anyone is the fact that he chose you personally. When you realize that Jesus chose you, it's not the power of your decision to choose him, but it's the fact that he chose you that keeps you through life even when you're ready to throw the towel in. And so I've got a third part to this message this morning. And it has to do with fruit and bearing fruit. And our text we're going to take is out of John chapter 15, verses 8 and uh, verse 16. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. And so shall you be my disciples. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So if realizing that God has chosen you is probably the most impacting and life-changing revelation, if you really let it saturate your heart, then on a functional level, the most impacting revelation is how that he works through you to produce fruit in your life that matters to God. Fruit is how God measures our lives. Your fruit, Jesus said, so that your fruit should remain. I've ordained you that you should go bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. Well, <clears throat> your fruit is what your life produced, not what your life was like. Uh, most people go through life with their eyes on how their circumstances are, how my life is. But what heaven's eyes are on is what our life is producing. Many people strive for a prosperous life, a, a self-fulfilling life, an easy life, but God will actually measure your life by the fruit that your living produced rather than what your life was like. And when God weighs your life, the scale won't measure how you felt about yourself or how you felt about your life. It's not going to measure uh, how you compared to other people or other people's opinions of you. But when God weighs your life, the scale is going to measure what you're living produced, and that's what matters to God. That's what he considers fruit. So that question is what will measure your life. When your life is measured before the presence of God, it will be what did my life produce. And that measure is what we call fruit. Colossians 1 and 10 says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. So what does God consider to be good fruit? You know, I, I think you'll agree when you think about it that being fruitful is really the greatest concern of the human heart. Saved people, Christians, non-Christians, all people from all backgrounds and, and walks of life. The greatest concern that burdens the human heart is, is my life fruitful? Think about it. 
both our sense of significance and our torment over failure are driven by how we perceive our own fruitfulness in life. And because of the physical nature of life, we tend to define fruit by what's quantifiable or what's valuable to other people. In other words, we, we look for what is measurable in our life, what can be weighed, what can be quantified in terms of size or volume. And so <clears throat> people are happy over their achievements and they're happy over their ac acquisitions, the things that they accomplish and acquire in life because they have something to show for themselves. And you remember how Jesus talked about things and being caught up, caught up in things. Um, and so likewise, people are also suppressed under the humility of the lack of accomplishment. Think of how many people struggle or allow their lives to be pulled off into diversions that ruin and shipwreck their life because truly on the inside, they see a lack of accomplishment and it's hard to live with. It's painful. It's, it's suppressing. So I believe the issue of fruitfulness is what is the greatest concern to people everywhere. But in the kingdom of God, fruit doesn't begin with what you do. It begins with what you are. It's not your doing, but it's your being that is the origin of fruit in your life. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul writes that we should be to the praise of his glory. That happens before we go running around and doing things that are for the glory of God. We should be to the praise of his glory. And because we often overlook our being and emphasize our doing, many people in life are overlooked for the good and the fruit that they produce because it comes out of their character and out of their heart and it's not something they have produced by the work of their hands. You should start with the realization that you are fruit. Fruit doesn't begin with what you do. It begins with who you are. You are fruit because you're the result of Jesus' life. You're his fruit. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he plants the seed of his word, sends the Holy Spirit into your life, you become his fruit. Remember Jesus said in John 15 when he talked about himself as the vine, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Where does the fruit come from? It comes from your abiding in him. So you, in effect, are the fruit of Jesus' life. The life that he lived produced you and I. And let me say to you that Jesus doesn't produce fruit to show off the world. He produces fruit to show off heaven. So when Christians allow themselves to become diverted into this compulsion to produce numerically quantifiable, measurable fruit, and there's nothing wrong with abundance. There's nothing wrong with producing a lot. But when we get driven off into putting all of our emphasis on how much it appears that we have done, we forget that Jesus didn't come to bear fruit that would glorify the world, but fruit that would glorify heaven. That's why we often say, 
It's the quality, not the quantity, of our fruit. Most, most of your fruit will likely never be known until it is revealed by Jesus' examination of your life. That's, that's sad for people that don't have an eternal perspective on their life. But most of the good, most of the fruit that, that, the, that the angels of heaven leaning over the banister rails are clapping, two thumbs up and cheering, the world never sees it. You never get credit for it. But it's recorded, and eternity will reveal it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul writes, Do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again, and he will both bring to light the secret things that are hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims, motives, and purposes of the heart. Then every man will receive his due commendation from God. Most of the fruit you bear is not going to be cheered by people because they're not going to recognize it. They're not going to see it. So don't fall into the pit of depression because people aren't recognizing your worth or your value. We're living for God's recognition of our life. And that is the first thing you have to do in orienting your focus if you're going to be fruitful in life. Because living for people's acknowledgement is only going to pull you off of the fruit-producing uh, focus of your life. Listen, nobody is aware, nobody really knows the sacrifices that you have made in your life to allow heaven's kindness or the fruit of the Spirit to express itself in you when you wanted to express other things. Nobody knows the tears. Nobody's aware of the painful decisions that you have made to take the high road rather than the easy low road. That is all fruit that heaven recognizes. It's treasured, piled up in heaven. And the Bible says, in the day when the Lord, whose eyes are as burning fire, in chapter 1 of Revelation, sets us before him and looks through us. It is, it is he piercing into our souls that reveals everything that is wood, hand, stubble in an instant, in a moment. When he sets his eyes upon us, will simply be no more. All those works, all of those things that made so much difference, but make no difference in heaven will be burned up, but the silver, the gold, the precious things, the decisions, nobody gave you credit for, nobody even saw it, will shine with the glory of the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. That is the fruit that God recognizes in your life as his own work. Heaven's going to celebrate the fruit that the world overlooked and ignored. Never be discouraged being a part of team fruit. We always think about our own fruit, but I think that most fruit that is produced in our life is a team effort. It's a body effort. Think about the teaching about the body of Christ and the foot and the hand, the spleen, the parts that are outward and 
get credit, the parts that are inward get no credit, but you couldn't survive without them. The whole body of Christ is a team effort. Most of our fruit in life is not something we have produced or done simply by ourselves. Who's married? All right, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So never be discouraged by being part of, of team fruit. Never underestimate, next week's the Super Bowl, never underestimate the glory of a good block. People up in the stands there watching, what are they all, what gets the replay? What gets everybody on their feet? The pass that the great quarterback threw. Mike Evans going up right on the one-yard line, pulling that. It's like he calls the ball out of the heavens right into his palm of his outstretched hand. Boom! As he falls over into the end zone. Everybody sees that glory. But you know, that would have been a broken play. Would have never succeeded had that guy on the left side of the center not made the block that kept the rusher from getting at the quarterback. Team glory. Never underestimate the value, the glory, the fruit of a good block. If God says you're a blocker in life, I just want you to block. Don't be that person who says, oh, I, I think I can get open. And you leave your assignment behind and you rush out into the flats. Throw the ball to me. What you've really just done is by not doing what God told you to do because you weren't happy. It doesn't bring a lot of glory. You left your assignment to go out and do what you think somebody else does that, that's more glorious and the rusher got past you. Everything, every one of you do that God puts in front of you to do is valuable. And it's not valuable because the world recognizes it. Every time someone stands over a sink of dishes that they've washed a thousand times, and you feel like, I think I've just about worn the paint off these dishes, and you don't feel good, and you're going through some mental or emotional things and you would just as soon let them stack up at the sink. Who's, who cares whether I do this? Even the family doesn't say, thank you so much for doing that. You know, who appreciates a clean dish? But every time you went back to that sink, grabbed that dish, grabbed that sponge and started to clean it and say, Lord, I praise you. That, that act rang the bell, went straight up to 100, boom, rang the bell. The angels are clapping. God recognized. And sometimes that is more potent and more meaningful and more powerful than the person that's running out, catching passes and doing things that are being cheered. You do know that the world rejoices over wickedness, don't you? Do you realize, don't you know by now that the values of the world are such that they rejoice at, at pride and arrogance. They rejoice at things that are really shameful. But they cheer and rejoice over it. While people that just stay in the lane that God's given them put one foot in front of the next and, and do it with joy unto the Lord. Those people are storing up fruit for eternity.
So never underestimate the glory of a good block. Hallelujah. If there was one, if I could stop here and leave you with one thought, oh, how I wish that I could speak to every Christian and say, please don't be discouraged. Please don't be, be, be brokenhearted because you're not outdoing that thing that, uh, or you're, you're, what you're doing isn't, isn't producing a, a big giant pile of results and think that you're not important, not significant, um, because you are just the, you know, that was the Holy Ghost. When Barbara got up and said, I, I just want to congratulate you all for coming out in the rain today. And we thought, well, that's Barbara. <laughs> Praise God. But that was the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you why. Because that little thing, when you said, oh, it's raining, my hair's going to go limp. I'm going to get all wet. I don't know. I'm not really feeling that good. I've got a long drive. All those reasons. What did you do? You set them aside and said, Jesus, you first. What is the reason why you got up? It wasn't me. It wasn't us. It was Jesus. Amen. Because of him. Because you have made a commitment at some point in your life, and you weren't going to break it because of the rain. Heaven records those things. Those are valuable Valuable things, praise the Lord. I wish I could preach on that and hammer it, but uh, I think you get the point. Um, let me talk about the seed of good fruit. Good fruit, fruit that heaven recognizes, grows. It is produced by a seed. And because fruit, now follow me, because fruit is the result of whatever controls your heart, fruit that God recognizes originates from the seed of his word. It is how you plant God's word in your heart that produces those results. Get you up and go out in the rain, go to church or whatever great heroic thing you do. Um, it all comes from where the word sits and how it sits in your heart. More specifically, your fruit is what your life has produced, as I said in the beginning, but want to add now the tagline, it's what your life produced by you and God working together. Since you are his fruit, the fruit you produce is produced by God working with you, God working through you. My, one of my favorite New Testament verses is Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. So truly the fruit that Jesus is looking for and that he says your life will be examined for the content of this kind of fruit is what not you did by yourself, but what you and God did together. And God works through you, the way he works through you to help you produce fruit is through the simple design, the elemental design with which he made the universe, and that's called the plant and reap principle of the seed. All nature operates by it. You plant a seed, you nurture it, it grows, it matures, and it drops seed that grows, matures, and you get what's called generations. It's how we produce, it's how we multiply, and that's how God works through us is by that seed principle. In Mark's gospel, chapter 4, 
What Jesus himself referred to as the greatest of all parables was the parable of the sower. And having talked to the disciples about the parable of the sower, he says, and with what comparison can we compare the kingdom of God? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown, now where do we sow the word? We sow it into our hearts. I'm casting seed right now, but you are determining whether it's going to land on the good ground of your heart or whether it's just going to go in one ear and out the other and land by the wayside and the, the enemy's just going to rob it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard an awesome word from God by the time I'm out in the parking lot. It's gone. I carry a notepad in my vehicle. I thank God I have my phone over there. That phone is with me all the time. I am constantly talking to myself in that phone. Ideas and thoughts I get, hit the record button. I don't want to lose that seed. So Jesus himself said, how is the kingdom of God demonstrated? How, how can we relate to it? The kingdom of God is on the basis of planting a seed. It grows up. The mustard seed, regardless of how small it is, when it comes to maturity, it's so large that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. So it produces what? Fruit. It produces help for others. Your life, when you make God's word the main primary control mechanism of your heart, you grow and mature, and guess what? The needy and the weary and people come and find refuge in their relationship with you. Fruit is produced by Jesus' word being nurtured prominently in your heart. And the extent, your part is, the extent that you allow his word to have preeminence in your heart, that is your contribution to the fruit. God's working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Where's that will come from? It's by knowing the word and putting it in your heart. So Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, I already shared that with you, the branches are you, and if my words abide in you, and you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. And whatever you ask in my name, it will be given. By the way, I would say that <clears throat> this principle of planting and reaping is exactly why Satan seeks, seeks to corrupt your heart with his words. That's why Jesus said, be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you let enter your ears. Take heed how you listen to what you listen to. Sometimes we can't he help but hear the lies of Satan or distracting thoughts. But it's like Ken Hagen said many, many years ago. You can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you sure can keep them from nesting in your hair. And you can't help sometimes the things that you hear, but you can sure have control over what you allow to stay in your heart. So because Satan knows that fruit originates in the heart and it is grown by the seeds that are sown. So whatever you listen to that impresses you the most, that's what's going to produce the character of your life. That's what's ultimately going to lead to whatever is the fruit of your life. And let me share with you a little bit about ways fruit is produced. 
Um, in Luke chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said, each tree is known by its own fruit. And that's why I said earlier that the, it's the same Spirit working in all of us, but what the, what the result of the Holy Spirit moving in Terry may look like, we may recognize kindness, we may recognize the fruit of the Spirit, but it may look a little different in Terry than it does in me. So there's that individuality that we so appreciate. The, the multifaceted uh, glory of our Lord is shown through all of us, bearing fruit, praise the Lord. But um, So let me share with you in closing about four or five real quick ways in which you can produce fruit. First of all, I would say that introducing others to Jesus, sharing the gospel with people, introducing others to Jesus, um, who then themselves become his fruit and begin to bear fruit in their life, that's fruit that enters to your account. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, but he that received the good seed on the good ground, as he who hears the word and understands it, bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So when you lead somebody to Jesus, you are producing fruit. Another way that you produce fruit is when you nurture and encourage the faith of other people. Encourage people in their faith. Build them up. Remind them that the Lord loves them. Remind them of the Word of God, why the Lord loves them. Help them with godly answers out of the Word of God. We're faced every day with quandaries that people are in. Um, and there's always an opportunity to encourage somebody towards the Lord. So when you encourage other people's faith, you are producing fruit. In the book of Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul said, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, how often I wanted and planned to come to you in order that I might obtain some fruit among you, even as I have among the other Gentiles. So Paul was saying, my coming to you and encouraging you is part of fruit in my life, and I look forward to that. Um, displaying the character of the Holy Spirit. All of us know Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and there are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. So every time we set aside self or overcome the distractions of the enemy in order to allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in our life, what is that? That's the work that the Spirit within accomplishes. That's bearing fruit. Another way is by embracing God's discipline. Um, when I was a kid and I hear that belt come out, I'd run. But I couldn't get away. Don't run from the Lord's discipline. Run to the Lord's discipline. Embrace God's discipline because it refi refi refines and improves you. Hebrews chapter 12, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So every time you let the Lord discipline you, you might feel awful. You might feel like, oh, what a loser I am. The Lord chastens you. You feel like, you know, I can't get it right. Don't do that. 
The fact that you let God bring you to a moment of repentance with the desire to want to be better, that was fruit. The, the angels are leaning over the rails of heaven going, that a boy? That's the way to take it. Right? Instead of going, no, 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 that's not me. You don't understand and all the, you know, equivocating that we do. Um, thanking and praising Jesus is bearing fruit. In um, Hebrews 13, 15, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips that give thanks to his name. I'll tell you, that's why I like praising God out loud and uh, worshiping Him out loud. Every time you lift up from your heart true praise and worship to God, that's fruit that's going to be measured. You may not have gone out into the world and built a tremendous empire or a fabulous business that grew and, uh, or anything else that you might think of, but if you were a person who went through life giving praise and glory to God, your fruit will be great. Hallelujah, when you stand before the Lord. Uh, let me share one last one, and that is, when you do the work of a peacemaker, diffusing strife and restoring factions back to righteousness, you are producing great fruit. In James 3 and 18, the Bible says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Sometimes making peace is impossible. But when you've got two factions that can be reconciled and you allow yourself to be an instrument instead of adding fuel to the fire, you help to bring those two factions back together. Now, some factions shouldn't be brought back together. They're factions and they should be factions. So don't want you to think that just running around being a peacemaker always brings glory to God. But when factions can be resolved and you allow yourself to be the person that rather than jumping on one side or the other, you help to bring them back to righteousness. You are bringing forth the fruit of righteousness. The truth is that all the many ways that you reflect God's glory, He considers that to be good fruit in your life. Close your Bible <clears throat> or turn off your device and let's stand together. <clears throat> 